Welcome to the geek to geek podcast where tonight we are powered by caffeine. We both had a day. It was something. Anyway, I'm Void and I'm here with my co-host Beige. I had a something day. <laughs> Today we're talking about comics. We've been uh, touching on comics a couple times in the last few podcasts and we've been texting about it all week. So we figured it would make a good episode. So here we are. Should we, as tradition by now, start with our histories? Probably so. Apparently that's what we do, because we talked about the history of DC Comics last time that we did comics, so we might want to actually just talk about comics in general, like what got us completely into comics. Yeah, I think that's a good place to start. So comics, for me, I think I came by them way later than you did. Okay, from probably so. So you started as a kid, right? Yeah, I was a kid. I remember the very first comics that I ever got, too, and it was awesome. I was a little kid. I was in Kmart. I don't know if uh, that like that was one of the places that I was grew up in a small town and they were giving away free comic books and they had Spider-Man comic books that they were giving away in the 80s to prov- it was like some PSA kind of thing, like not even like free comic book day, but like these special edition, special edition Spider-Man and New Mutants comics to like prevent bullying, I think, or something like that. But I remember getting it and my mom giving it to me after. After she checked out and I went home and I fell in love like that one comic of just having I don't know what it was about it, but I know what the cover looks like right now. I could I, I could find it. I still have it in my storage room with all my comics. The very first comic I ever got that was that, that it was just awesome that that just this wonderful Spider-Man uh, Spider-Man and New Mutants anti-bullying comic that I got, which then made me love comic books and start going like fleeing markets with my parents and then i started getting uh, i remember getting the first batman comic that i ever got was a super tiny kid i didn't read it i had no idea what the story was about but it was a part of the death in the family storyline that uh where jason todd died and it was one before he died uh, that had kg beast in it and i will never forget i have no idea what this comic was about but because i just looked at the pictures i don't even know if i was old enough to read at this point or fully read it but these were the comics that i got they, they were the first two comics I ever read. And I just I just adored having them. It wasn't even that I, I read them so much as I, I had them and I looked at them and I treasured them. They 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 were they were my precious. So it hooked you early. Did you yeah. so at that point did you keep buying comics kind of for the rest of your life? Pretty much off and on. I would I've always had I've always been interested in comics. I've always picked them up as I've seen them. There have been phases where I pay a whole lot of money for comics and other phases where I just read the ones I've got or something along those lines, but I don't always have a I don't always have a subscription like uh, like you do to pick up a couple of years right now through Comicsology, but I used to get them from Midtown Comics and have them mailed to me when I was didn't know where I was going to live uh, between college and stuff like that where I could just change the address when I didn't have a comic shop. I would go to local comic shops and get subscription boxes. Yeah, I've pretty much always been the uh, the comic nerd. That's really cool. Yeah, I I came to it much later. Um, I didn't. I mean, I think I vaguely remember my parents maybe like getting me a couple comics on a whim on like road trips when I was a kid. Like you just see them at gas stations or, you know, wherever you stop convenience stores. But none of those have left an impact on my mind. Like I can't really remember. It's a vague thought. Really, my first experience with comic books was in college. Um, It was my it was like second or third year of college. I was living in a house off campus. One of my roommates was huge into comics. And I told him like he like he knew I was into, you know, geeky, nerdy things. And I told him I'd never gotten into comics before. It just wasn't a thing that had come across my radar. And he asked me what I liked. And he said, OK, I'll give you some stuff. So he had a giant collection of digital comics. And he just gave me the full series up to that point of The Walking Dead and Why the Last Man. And then a handful of all these others to try that he just said, you might like these, but you'll probably like The Walking Dead. You'll probably like Why the Last Man. And that was like my first real experience with comics that I remember. And I liked them a lot. I liked The Walking Dead. I read all of it. It was I don't I don't know how many issues there are now, but I read a ton, like probably over 100. I don't know. This was 
2007, 2008. So however many were out at that time. And I've only ever read the very first graphic, like, it wasn't the first collection. It was the first hardback collection they did. So I think there were maybe two. It was it had volumes one and two collected in it, where I had a student lend me The Walking Dead a few years back. And uh, I remember it's fantastic. And that's all I've ever read is that first hardcover collection. I had put off reading it. And then he told me he needed it back because summer was coming. And the last day of class was the next day. Oh, so no. I read he was like, have you read this? I'm like, no, I really should. He's like, you read it tonight. And I actually did. I read all of that first hardcover, like from like nine o'clock to however long it took me because he sent me a text that night. But at that point I was giving my students my cell phone number and uh, <laughs> I stopped by the way. And, uh, but they, he texted me about it, needed it back. So I read it all and it was fantastic. It was right until they got to the prison. Like they looked at the prison was the last panel of the book. And I loved it. I just haven't gone back and read any more of it. But I understand how The Walking Dead could get you into comics because it is fantastically well done. Never read any Why the Last Man. Yeah, Why the Last Man is cool. I mean, the premise is basically all of the men on the planet die except for one. And then it follows him around. Like, I don't remember a ton about it, but I remember it's interesting. And that's the basic premise. That was my intro to comics. That was all thanks to Rob. Thanks, Rob. I don't know if anyone else had a college roommate named Rob, but I did. And he was awesome. And <laughs> then I didn't touch comics again. Like, I didn't buy any. I still hadn't spent any of my own money on comics until a couple years later. I heard about Comixology. Right. And I installed the app on free comic book day. So Comixology, if you don't know, is a digital comic app. And it... It was like the best one at the time. There were a bunch of other ones, but I liked the way Comixology worked. And they they put out like a ton of free comics every comic book, free comic book day, which is in early May, I believe. Do you know? I can't remember when it is. It's coming up. Uh, it's either in late April or early May because Jennifer is doing a pro is working with uh, some local comics guys for free comic book day at the library. And I cannot remember when it is, but you're right. It's somewhere around there in the mid spring or late spring. So it's coming up again. And every free comic book day they put out usually like at least 50 issues and they're mm -hmm. either like a one-off or they are the number one of a series and for two or three free comic book days in a row i downloaded all of them and i didn't actually read any of them but i was like oh. someday someday i might be into comics and then i think by the third year i was like you know what i'm gonna give this a try i i read a couple it didn't really hook me and then last year Star Wars rebooted their entire <laughs> universe and gave Marvel the rights to make comics in Star Wars that are actually canon with the movie. That was when I spent my first actual money on comic books. I picked up, I think I talked about this last episode about Star Wars, but I picked up the actual Star Wars and I picked up Leia and a, like all of the ones that came out in the first few months. And I said, okay, comic books, there's something here for me. So I went back to my Comixology app and I read through every single issue one that I had downloaded. So it was like 150, 200 comics and I just tried them all. Wow, that that's almost intimidating for me to just think about of reading that many number ones. But it was cool. I mean, I found a couple out of it that are now some of my favorites, like Wayward and Rat Queens, which are only there are a couple of the subscriptions I have right now. I don't have very many subscriptions right now, but I keep yeah. up with those two. After that, I picked up Marvel Unlimited. I didn't really understand. I thought that, you know, I was buying all of these like Star Wars comics every couple weeks when they would come out. And I saw Marvel Unlimited gives you access to the entire back catalog. And I said, oh, mm -hmm. these are all Marvel comics. I'll just subscribe to Marvel Unlimited. And then I won't have to pay for my Star Wars comics every month. I'll just kind of have all the Marvel <laughs> comics. I didn't realize that there was a six-month delay on Marvel Unlimited. So if you want an issue right when it comes out, you have to pay. Otherwise, you wait six months, and then it's on Unlimited. Which, honestly, for me, has been worth it when I'm doing Marvel Unlimited because I I kind of like the XKCD of playing games five years late. I just go back and read a bunch of collections and trades and events that I didn't pick up when they were out, read what I want to for a month or so, and then unsubscribe, wait a little while, and do the same thing every few months to really keep up on Marvel Unlimited, where I don't feel like I'm wasting any money that way. But the six-month delay doesn't really bother me that much. It is killing me having to wait on, now that I know that the Spider-Man uh, Renew Your Vows is on there i don't have a don't have a subscription right now and i need to get to to the end of that series because i love it 
and I didn't read it and all wasn't on there when I when I had the subscription last. Well, and it actually made me branch out because like I was just doing Star Wars comics and then I tried a bunch on Comicsology and I I got a couple right. extra ones out of that. But when I picked up the Marvel Unlimited and I didn't understand that I wouldn't have access to the Star Wars ones that were coming out week to week. And I said, I'm not going to waste my money. I'm actually going to look through this back catalog and try to find things that I like. And that was where I finally, for the first time in my life, dug into like the classic superheroes. And that was like last year. It wasn't long ago. And that blows my mind. I that that because I started on the classic superheroes, I guess, because like, like most honestly, like most kids, I started with the spandex and uh, spandex and muscle superheroes like you're supposed to when you're a comics fan. And that's weird to me that you that 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 came so late as a comics fan for you. Like, I don't I don't actually know anybody else. I don't think who started with the kind of indie uh, the indie stuff instead of instead of uh, mainstream, you know, Marvel, DC superhero comics. Well, and here's the truth. I don't really like them. Like, I don't like those classic, you know, caped superheroes in costumes. I mean, I, I know all the basics of their stories because I watched 90s cartoons as a kid and I've seen yeah. basically every superhero movie that's out. But those typical superhero comics are the ones that are the least interesting to me. Like, I tried so many of them, and I just failed to get into them over and over and over. It was amazing to me that, like, these ones that are held up as the most popular and most famous didn't click with me at all. What's weird is when you say that, though, going back and reading the ones that are held and lauded so much as being fantastic and just these, these like, bastions of, of storytelling, you go back and read them and from – and this may be the English teacher in me coming out, looking at them from a cultural standpoint when they were released, they are definitely fantastic pieces of work. Looking at them from a modern, I'm reading this for the first time – I'm going to just enjoy this perspective. They're not really, they don't really hold up that well. I, I love the Dark Knight Returns and it Frank, it's like the only thing Frank Miller does that I really, really, truly like. But even it is definitely a product of the 80s that doesn't hold up very well. And there, there's still a lot of stuff about it that there are issues with. So even the storylines that are, are fantastic and have nostalgia and have the the base within the comics fandom and and just everyone loves they're still kind of hard to read sometimes comics as a storytelling medium have come a long way so i completely understand why you as a narrative driven person like things like why the last man and the walking dead more than a lot of the superhero comics because so many of them feel shallow they don't really have anything going for them other than the action and and pretty pictures well, and trying to get into some of them right now, they've been running for such a long time that like they've run out of interesting things to say. So yeah. a lot of the comics I found that I liked were not a one off, but like a, a concise series of comics that has a run that it does and then it's done and it has told yes. its story. Those were the ones that I ended up really enjoying because they never feel like they're reaching for the next thing because they're out of ideas. They have one idea. They carry it through to completion and then it's over. I don't find nearly enough of those because I have an issue with the same thing because I grew up as an X-Men fan and a Spider-Man fan, both of which have been going on, you know, since the early 60s. And just jumping in is intimidating. Like even right now, going back and reading any of the, let's say Civil War II that's coming out soon, I would be intimidated by that. And one of the things that I like about, say, Rising Stars or some of the others that, that I mentioned last week and we'll get to talk about later is that it is a story on its own, that there is an end point. And I even like it when they even if they're going to reboot it next year, if I know that these are going to be the 12 issues I've got, this is going to be the creative team I have. I read books just for certain arcs and then don't touch a book ever again because of creators and people I know who are working on it that I like. I don't look at, I'm not so much a, an amazing Spider-Man reader as I am a J. Michael Straczynski reader or something like that. And I didn't understand that until I talked to a bunch of my comic book friends, like, you and like Rob, who is my college roommate that I still talk to, <laughs> like I didn't really get 
how important the creators were, which is dumb because I read all the time and I understand how important authors are. It just, it didn't click with me until I found a couple series that I liked and I would like them for like 12 or 24 comics and Uh then I wouldn't like them again. And I was like, what is going on here? I was talking to my friend about it and he goes, well, were they written by different people? Were they different creators? And I kind of had to step back and go back and look and go, oh yeah, I stopped liking it right when the creators changed. You know, and it's so obvious in retrospect. I don't know why it didn't click with me. Maybe because like the comic is pitched as an ongoing thing and it's all part of the same arc, you know, and they don't really tell you that they're going to switch creators or writers or artists. They just do it and you don't even notice. And so you have to be up on it. You have to be keeping up with the not necessarily the industry, but you have to know what's coming up and what's being put forward and put out in the next six months, let's say. And it's kind of the same thing that Star Wars novels and other media tie ins do, where you may not know the author that's that's being that's writing the next book. You may know the author that wrote the first one and never have read any of the others in the series, but you're going to read them anyway. And you're probably going to hate part of it. That happened with me with Star Wars novels, and it happens to me with comics all the time where there was one particular issue of daredevil where i remember it was about 2006 i think maybe 2007 when i stopped reading daredevil because they had four different artists in the same issue and it was hard to follow the writing didn't change but the art was so distracting that i'd already been discouraged by the creative team uh and the stories going downhill anyway after they did that with the artists i'm like i'm not even dealing with this this is a lot for even a comics fan so i just left i just stopped subscribing yeah i can see that well and it's it's interesting like you said that you know as a spider-man fan and an x-men fan like it was hard for you to find the right ones and i Mm -hmm. ran into that same thing because i was a spider-man fan from the 90s cartoons and i was an x-man fan from the same thing and from you know and from watching the movies not all the movies were good but i've watched all the spider-man and all the x-men movies so when i had marvel unlimited in front of me and i was like okay i'm gonna make the most of my money i'm gonna find spider-man i like and i'm going to find x-men that i like right and x-men was so hard to find anything and spider-man <laughs> was so hard to find anything and it doesn't help that like they use the same keywords i talked oh i was talking to you about this earlier this week they use the same keywords over and over and over like you could have the amazing spider-man like 2003 yes. and then the amazing spider-man 2013 and then the amazing spider-man 1960 and then the amazing spider like it why why are you doing that It makes it so hard for people like me who are trying to get into it to ever find the right issue that someone is recommending. Yeah, it's it's very hard. I've run into that on Marvel Unlimited in particular. I went to read Guardians of the Galaxy, and my friend had recommended uh, the one that led directly up to the movie. or It came out right around the same time that the movie did, and he liked the story. So I went on to Marvel Unlimited and started reading it and told him you know, that I really liked this. And then I realized I picked the wrong one. I picked the wrong Guardians of the Galaxy to read that he hadn't recommended that one. He didn't know anything about this one, but apparently I made a good choice because I liked it anyway, but it was a completely (laughs) different set of characters than he had, than the movie was using. I was like, maybe they'll get to them eventually. They were drawn differently. Everything was different, but it was still good, but I still didn't find the one that he was talking about that he had the uh, physical trades for at his house. Yeah, it's so it's hard to find. Okay, even when you have a recommendation, because I did find an X-Men series that I like, and I hold it up as one of my favorite series i actually have like my top five or six comics that i really like written down over here and this is one of them it's the joss whedon run of the astonishing x-men and it's the astonishing x-men from the 2004 to 2013 run not one of the other astonishing x-men because there are other ones because the comic book industry doesn't know how to name things issues one through 25 are like written by joss whedon and they're amazing. Yeah. It's a really, really, really good arc. And then I just had to put it down because after that, it wasn't the same. It was a different writer. But I got that recommended from a friend and it was a great recommendation. They are fantastic. There's a motion comic that used to be on Netflix of the run and it is great too. It cuts out a lot of it like motion comics tend to, but it's still super fun to watch because it's still super well written. It, it's fun, just the entire thing, because it's just a good story. Like the Joss Weed and Astonishing X-Men really is fantastic like i understand how that would be the one that you got you got to read x-men by reading that one because it really is a a full-on x-men story yeah and that was after bouncing off of like i don't know six or seven other x-men runs that i just couldn't 
I couldn't even get into at all. You know, it's hard to find good comics unless you have somebody to recommend them to you. Yeah. And I found that with, so I, I asked the same friend about other like typical superheroes because like I said, I was bouncing off of them over and over these ones that are held up as cultural icons. And he said, have you ever read Thor? And I said, no, Thor's okay in the movies. But even then, I don't think he's fantastic. He's just kind of okay. And he said, go try Thor, God of Thunder the first two volumes of it. So I think the two volumes together make up, it's either like 20 or 40 comics, somewhere in there. Okay. And then Thor God of Thunder keeps going on, and it gets much worse after that. But the first two <laughs> tell it, like, oh, it's so frustrating that these comics keep going. I wish they would just end when they're done with their core concept, because the first two volumes of Thor God of Thunder are amazing. Have you read those at all? No, I haven't. That was what you were telling me about last week, wasn't it? Is that the one you were describing to me? Yeah, so yeah. Thor God of Thunder Volume 1 is called The God Butcher, and it's about basically somebody who's super powerful and goes around killing gods in the universe. So it's not just Earth, it's not just the Marvel superheroes, it's not just like the pantheon that Thor is a part of, it's gods from every alien culture that has gods across the entire universe and he's slowly killing all of them and he tells thor that he's going to kill everybody and thor will be one of the last ones and they divide it up over three different time periods with three different thors there's like a young thor there's the avengers thor and then there's an old man thor who basically has the power of odin and the three time periods eventually all come together and so it's a time travel story, which appeals to me. And then it's also like a universe spanning, like epic tale that doesn't have to deal with all of the cruft of like all the Marvel superheroes on Earth because they don't ever touch on that. You know, it's just Thor dealing with this God, this God killer, basically. I definitely need to read that. I'm assuming it's on Marvel Unlimited at this point. It is. Yep. I read those on Marvel Unlimited. That's going to be awesome. I may end up having to subscribe to Marvel Unlimited tonight when we get finished recording just to be able to pick some of these up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and the other one that I liked, okay, so I eventually found a Spider-Man also, but it wasn't at all what I thought. I I never got into any of the regular Spider-Man ones. I got into Mary Jane, which is the story of Spider-Man told from Mary Jane's point of view in high school. That sounds awesome, though. Like, that that entire idea sounds like the f- I love side stories, though, and parallel narratives, so that really is right up my alley, too, and I've never read this one. It's good, and they have three runs of it, and they're all very short. They tell a story, and then they wrap up, which, again, I love. So there's Mary Jane. There's Mary Jane Loves Spider-Man is the second run, and then the third run is Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane, and they're all really good. They're all about Mary Jane in high school, and Spider-Man is just kind of like in the background you know and though i am i am hesitant on this one because that is actually the era of spider-man that i like the least i i really like adult spider-man i like adult science teacher spider-man and that is my that is my all-time favorite peter parker and the it has to be done really well for me to like young spider-man it's not about spider-man but i liked it anyway it's about Mary Jane, and it's, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why it appealed to me, but I found comics like that that are side character driven or away from like the main Marvel yeah. stuff, I like better. I understand that, that especially with the history, I think a lot of it does with you not having the, you know, the lifelong I'm reading, you know, tw- 12 to 30 comics a year, you know, different runs of them. Sure. I, I completely understand liking the side stories and the and the personal narratives and things like that. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And you also, you had recommended Rat Queens to me. And I did. Did last you get to week, check it out? And I checked out the free preview on Comixology, and I liked it. I liked that one a lot, and I'm going to end up picking up a trade for that one. I added it to my Amazon wish list so I could grab it. I liked how, at the very beginning, I don't know if you've read the free preview or anything, I like how it just seemed so, so much more serious than it actually was. And by the time it got out, I was like, yes, I like this. I will like reading this comic. And I don't usually like fantasy comics, which is interesting that I think that one may actually actually keep my attention yeah and so rat queens is basically it's like a D setting um kind of like high fantasy with magic and stuff it's a group of female adventurers and it's basically just them doing it starts out with them doing typical like dungeons and dragons type of things like dungeon crawls but it's a mature comic right from the beginning and mature comics can kind of go one way or another either it has gratuitous sex and violence because it can 
or it has a really good story to tell and it uses sex and violence accordingly when it makes sense. And this falls into that category where they only use it when it makes sense, but it's not a comic for kids. You know, it's a comic for adults. And I like right. that about it, too. That That's going to end up that that alone makes me want to read it where I get really tired of gratuitous adult content just for the sake of saying you have adult content. Yes, exactly. That I mean, and that's how just a side tangent. That's why I didn't really like Daredevil season one, because mm. it was so gratuitous with the violence. Mostly there wasn't that much yeah. sex in it, but it had like over the top gratuitous violence all the time because it was the first time that Marvel could finally do it. It's like, oh, my God, we're yeah. on Netflix. We can be edgy. We can be R rated. Nobody's going to watch over our shoulder and say, no, you can't. So let's do it in every single episode, even if it doesn't make sense. We, speaking of that as a side tangent, we watched the fifth episode of season one last night. Jennifer and I did. And it was she does not like violence and things like that, like gratuitous violence. And yeah. she screamed twice during the episode. And so we oh, didn't watch another one after that, that there was a point at the beginning where she screamed when she saw something. And then at the end, and she's not a scream person like that. She's not squeamish and she doesn't uh, she doesn't react that way to things. So for it to be that shocking that this is what's going on just so out of nowhere, like it really is gratuitous in some respects. And that's why I liked season two a lot better. I mean, besides the origin story stuff that we talked about right. last week where or the other week where I just hate origin stories at this point. But season two of Daredevil uses violence and sex when it makes sense. It doesn't just do it over the top every episode because it can, which I felt like season one did all the time. But yeah, yeah it sure feels like it is. That's the show. Rat Queens is a mature comic done in the right way. And I really liked it. I think you'll like that one, too. And then I guess I'm kind of just running through my list here. I talked about Kanan, the last Padawan last week. Um, yeah. It's the one Star Wars comic that I'm still subscribed to that I get every single issue on Comixology. All the other ones I kind of let slide because they weren't amazing. And I'm sure eventually I'll do what you said and grab Marble Unlimited again and just kind of catch yep. up, you know, and then let it go for a few months and then get another month subscription and catch up. That'll be fine. But I really like Kanan, the last pad one. It's still really good week to week or not week to week. Sorry, it's issue to issue. I I need to read more of it. I liked what was on Marvel Unlimited when I did. It was my favorite of the Star Wars ones. So just hearing that it's kept up because that's like we talked about last time with Vader and things like that. It's it's hard to find one that keeps up. Yep. Yep, for sure. And then, OK, my the last one I have on here from my set of recommendations, and this is my favorite one right now out of all the comics that I'm actually keeping up with. It's called Wayward, and it's basically it's set in Japan and in Japan, all of the like spirits that are powerful and just kind of live alongside humans are called yokai. And it's about how the old yokai are like losing power because of modern life and modern technology and the main character is someone who's half Japanese, half Irish, and she just moved to Japan from Ireland to go live with her mom instead of her dad. And she starts getting powers. And basically what's happening is that the power is transferring from like the old yokai to these new yokai. Some of them are humans or teenagers. Some of them are just kind of like mythical creatures that now have more relevance than they used to it's a look at japanese culture but it's from a westerner's perspective so it's a way that i, I just i find every issue interesting because i learned something new about japanese culture the the main character isn't someone who's already in that culture so it actually gives me a window to step in and learn something instead of having to like google and look up like what's going on why is this so japanese does that make sense yeah it does. And I, I was thinking about that as you said it. Like, I like that it goes in that, that. That means that they understand storytelling, that they understand that most of their audience is not going to be part of the Japanese culture, that they may be that they're going to be interested in it, but they're going to be outsiders. So being able to have a character that lets you have that window, it is it's way less intimidating to get into, because honestly, one of the reasons I don't watch a lot of anime personally is because I am so 
out of that that when I watch the first episode of most of the animes that are recommended to me, I am so overwhelmed by just how Japanese it is that I miss references, I miss what what is unique about this, that I don't know anything at all about it, and there's no way for me to find out. And so to have something that eases you in like that, like Wayward's, Wayward seems to, looks fantastic. The idea means that those people in the creative team know exactly what they're doing and they've actually planned it out. And the coolest part of Wayward, my favorite part of it, and one of the main reasons that I keep up with it, is that at the end of every single comic, they have a writer who's a Western writer who lived in Japan for a while, and he will write an essay about something that was in or related to that issue of the comic. And he basically explains why this part of Japanese culture is that way with like historical references, and he writes it for Westerners. So every single issue, like I like the comic and it's cool, but then I'm so looking forward to those last like three pages where I get to read the essay. That's my favorite part. And you told me that. And so I went and looked on Comixology and looked at the collection of it. They do contain the essays in the collected versions. So it's not an issue by issue problem. It is a major part of how they're presenting the entire series. So it they are in the collections, it said. Cool. Okay. So that's, I kind of organically got most of my recommendations out there. There you go. Here are mine. Thor God of Thunder, the first two volumes, the Joss Whedon run of Astonishing X-Men from 2004 to 2013, only read the first 25 issues, Mary Jane and that three-run series, Kane in the Last Padwin, Rat Queens, and Wayward. I see you have recommendations in the list, too, and I want to hear about them. Okay, going into college, I wasn't reading any comics. I'd stopped reading comics years before I got into college, and I don't even remember organically why I got out of it. It was just something that happened. I stopped collecting, and just between like 1997 or 98 and 2001, 2002-ish, I didn't really look any. There was a five five to six-year period around there that I didn't read anything. And so I just kind of didn't think about it at all. And then when I met one of my friends uh, in college, and he had been a lifelong comic collector he never stopped he was he was my rob it was john uh john told me uh is the first person who told me to pay attention to creators he told me to that asked me if i'd ever read anything by a guy named j michael straczynski and of course i said no i don't know who that is and so he told me about amazing spider-man and he was and his run on amazing spider-man and at this point uh Spider-Man is in this Straczynski run. He is a fantastic writer. To give a little background on him, actually, he is the creator of Babylon 5. Uh, If you've ever heard of that TV show or watched it, it is fantastic. He used to be a writer from the Twilight Zone. Um, He wrote the Angelina Jolie movie Changeling. And so things like that are going on. So he he has credits to his name, and he eventually started writing Amazing Spider-Man. And John introduced me to it through Straczynski here. He is a fantastic writer. And the Amazing Spider-Man run has Peter as an adult science teacher married to Mary Jane and is being Spider-Man in his off time from working at the high school. It is phenomenal. It is well written. It deals. It gets comic booky too, where you still have weird superhero stuff with the crossovers. And I remember one point where Doctor Doom is going through an airport security, I believe, which is just funny to me. And but it's witty. The things that he does are witty, and the way that he handles Spider Man is treats him like a character and treats him like a person rather than being a superhero. And so I just loved the stories that he was telling about. About, about Peter, actually, uh, where you lit, watched uh, Red Mary Jane, I was reading Spy- Amazing Spider-Man with Straczynski because of the way he wrote Peter and Mary Jane together and their relationship. I loved it. Like, I just adored it. So he's it. actually human. He writes him as a human, not just as a superhero. Yes, and you see the human side of him. You see his human life there that he's built together. And it wasn't... I stopped reading this whenever the uh, One More Day storyline came out and broke Mary Jane and Peter up, and they weren't married anymore. And that ruined what I loved about it the most, and I cut myself off from Marvel Comics at that point. They, oh. they, they It's like they brought back Jason Todd like uh, DC did. That's what made me stop reading DC Comics is I nerd-raged and stopped reading when Jason Todd actually came back 
from the dead because that's like a comic book constant that he stays dead. And when he came back, I was like, nope, I'm done with you. Same thing happened when they broke Mary Jane and Peter up. I was like, no, you guys, you guys don't have my money anymore. Did it, it just felt like they started like they needed to reach for it. It wasn't really organic anymore. There was it felt nothing organic in that story to me. But the Amazing Spider-Man run up until then was brilliant. Everything about it was great. Like maybe not everything about it, but the writing was super good. And the art was fun, too. I think it was John Romita Jr. who did it. So because I loved Amazing Spider-Man so much, when I didn't have any new issues of it to read, I went looking for more Straczynski stuff to to read. So I read his novels and things like that. I watched Babylon 5 with my dad on DVD as it was coming out. Like I bought them as they were at least new. And I found Rising Stars and Midnight Nation. And you said that you've actually read Mid- or, uh, Rising Stars this week on my recommendation, right? Yeah, I mean, we've been texting about comics all week since we knew this would be our topic. And you said Rising Stars was your favorite comic. And I was telling you some of the things I liked and don't like about comics, like I just did for all of our listeners. And you said, you will like this one. Check it out. So in the last three days, I read all of Rising Stars. It's 24 comics or is it 25? 24. 24. And then it's over. It has a story to tell. It tells it very well. And then it's over. And I love it. It was great. Rising Stars is great for that. Um, it, it does tell its story. The problem with Rising Stars, readers don't have it. The problem now that there was a two-year gap between issue 21 and – or issue 20 and issue 24, I think. Or issue 21 and 24. The last three issues, 22, 23, and 24, yes. math. I'm an English teacher, folks. I'm sorry. I can't count. That those last three issues took two years to come out. That there was a three or the two year gap between issues for those. And it was unbelievably painful that I didn't get to read that story. So the buildup in my mind for the last three were way more than they could have actually been. And once they got the contract negotiation stuff out of the way, Rising Stars finished and it was awesome. Like, I love the overall story that was being told there. Uh, it's about what would happen if there is only one generation of superheroes ever born. There's never been any before them. There's never been any after them. Uh, that is this one generation of people who got powers. What would the world be like after them and during that their their lives? It's fantastic. It is. It is my favorite comic. And then there's Midnight Nation that he did as well, which was also another miniseries. I think it was a 12-issue miniseries that was that really dealt with a lot of ideas about what it meant to be forgotten. And it was action-y and fun, but it, was, it got to a very philosophical point. And I remember crying at a couple of points during it where it just got really sad and existential and, and just overall just meaningful and comics didn't really do that to me at the time and so reading midnight nation it made me just really truly think about what the idea of you know just not looking at people and forgetting about people like you know when you're going down the the you see someone in public and they remember you and you don't remember their name or people you went to high school with let's say and you just you know you went to high school with them but you don't recollect them at all as people that idea is what midnight nation is about what happens to people that everyone one forgets it's really cool that's fascinating well it, i like that like some of your top comics are the ones that are away from the typical too i mean it seems like our lists aren't that far off like you know not it, really it has something to say it wraps up it doesn't keep dragging on and it's not the typical superhero story and that's one of the also reasons i like the the next one on my list hey segue uh, the next one on my list is scion by cross gen comics it was uh have you ever heard of cross gen comics no. Okay. They were a very short-lived independent comics publisher. Uh, the guy I was buying comics from uh, in my hometown, Mark, used to just talk how awesome CrossGen was. They were new. They were doing weird new stuff that wasn't superhero comics, that they were doing fantasy and science fiction, and they, they had beautiful art, good stories, all of this. And it wasn't, at the time, I didn't know it, and Mark didn't tell me, but CrossGen is actually uh, meaned for cross-genres, that they try to take different genres of of liter- of comic books and literature and blend them together and cross them to do something new with it. And I just happened to pick up one named Scion. And 
it is a fantasy story where it is a definitely a fantasy world. It is absolutely a fantasy world with kings and castles and, you know, the, that kind of government. But it also has Star Wars level technology and like guns and swords and like hovercraft and things like this. That's the technology of this almost medieval world. I ate this up. It was like the, the, the it was like Lucky Charms for my little nerd brain. It was awesome. I just I just gobbled this up and that's what actually inspired me to write Birthright in the end was seeing that you could have my, my novel Birthright for those of you who don't know my first novel was a cross genre uh, science uh, science fantasy novel that I really took from Scion, that the idea of being able to blend science fiction and fantasy into one world came from this comic I read uh, that the guy who, that Mark got me to buy really because he was talking it up so much. So the reason I have a novel that out today is actually because of Mark back in, uh, back in my hometown. So thanks, Mark. God, we're shouting out to everybody tonight. Thanks, Mark. I know. Thanks, John. Thanks, Rob. And then then there's Ms. Marvel, the new Kamala Khan Ms. Marvel. Have you read this? I read up to the ones that were out when I had my Marvel Unlimited subscription last time. So I've read okay. probably like six to ten of them, and I liked them. They were good. Okay, and I think that, that the run ended when they did the last big reset, that there's going to be another one uh, after Secret War, because I think it ended, and... I love Ms. Marvel because she is one, she may be the first, I'm not sure, but she is a Muslim American female superhero who is super weird. Oh yes. my goodness, this character is weird. The reason I love this book and it's on this list is my wife got me into this one because she had read about it. It's weird. She writes Avengers fanfic and she is just this fangirl. She, she's basically the kind of person who hangs out on Tumblr and writes fanfic in the Marvel Universe, and then she actually gets superpowers from the Terrigen Mists and becomes a superhero and loves Ms. Marvel or Captain Marvel and basically becomes the new Ms. Marvel and doesn't know what to do with it and ends up teaming up with Wolverine, and it is hilarious. Just everything about it is super weird and wacky, and I cannot stress enough how good it is just go and give it a shot if you like weird superhero comics there's not even another word that describes it as much it's just it's strange and weird and awesome it's weird in a really good way i should go back and finish that run because i haven't yet you should and i I know she's in the all new all different avengers that's being published right now that i haven't read anything but the free comic book day uh issue of but it's good and then to wrap up my list i have the ultimates and the ultimates 2 the ultimate universe marvel decided they needed a modern day universe uh back early 2000s it may have been even 1999 because of the issue that you brought up they that there's too much backstory that there is entirely too much garbage out there to have to weed through to get to the good stories so they created the ultimate universe and what all of the Ultimate Universe was, was a modern day take on the classic superhero stories. They're, they're kind of keystone titles. And they made a Spider-Man and an X-Men and an Avengers. Only instead of the Avengers, they called them the Ultimates. This is way before the, uh, for the Avengers movie, way before Iron Man, way before any of the movies but Spider-Man. And I hated the Avengers. Like, I hated them at this point. Like, I did not like reading about Captain America. Um, I did not like Iron Man. I liked Vision because he had a pretty cut. He was made out of pretty colors. The Hulk and Thor and stuff like that are lame. I did not like these characters. I read The Ultimates. And I suddenly fell in love with them. This was telling a modern day superhero tale. Like, oh man, I use the word tale in public. Like I said that out loud. I feel terrible about this. They were telling this modern everything. I know. I'm so sorry to you and everyone who's listening to that. This is a modern day superhero story that you guys may have actually seen on screen with a movie called The Avengers. Um you might have seen that, but a lot of it was based <laughs> on how the how the Ultimates built up this universe. They even had Samuel uh, Nick Fury look like Samuel L. Jackson and make Samuel L. Jackson jokes in the book. Like this is this is a decade, almost a decade before they actually cast Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury. That they drew him like that, and that's what this character is. So so much influence in the current MCU and. 
it made them as people. It was bringing together these people who were scientists and, you know, soldiers and things like this. And you cared about them. You cared about their them as people. And then they had to go deal with, you know, the Hulk rampaging through New York. And that's the big bad of the first Ultimates is the Hulk getting loose. Ultimates 2 deals a lot with the... Uh, alcoholism and abuse from Hank between Hank Pym and the Wasp oh between Hank Pym and Janet and they're just fantastic they're about people they, they yeah they're superhero comics but it's a lot like rising stars in that you get their 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 personal lives in there so much that you care about that way more than you do the actual you know fighting and action just make sure you avoid everything after ultimates 2 ultimates 3 is garbage and it doesn't make any sense i love how all of our recommendations are like make sure you stop at this point because then it gets bad it's like why why can't the comic book creators just do that themselves why I don't understand oh. how the Ultimates 3 got created. To be completely fair, it makes zero sense. Like, I, it has weird, funky art, and the story's bad. I honestly cannot tell you what it's about, so do not read it. Ultimates huh. 1 and 2, awesome, though. Cool. Okay, so all of our recommendations will definitely be in the show notes. So if you want to look them up, because we convinced you to try them, which would be awesome, let us know what you think of them. But they will be in our show notes. So hopefully you can get the spelling right, and hopefully you don't find the wrong one by accident, because it's so easy to do that. That uh, is very true. Yeah. Uh, let's do our weekly geekery. Um, right. I'm, I'm bringing a lot of Star Wars this week. I have the Star Wars Rebels Season 2 finale was fantastic i can't wait for season three if you have watched any of star wars rebels now is the time to catch up because the finale was last week and it was really good so catch up with season two watch the finale the force awakens dvd blu-ray set came out this week the special features are so good i watched them all in one night and i need to go back and watch them again they are just fantastic it's one of the best behind the scenes documentaries that i've seen and i highly recommend the Force Awakens special features. And the other thing that came out this morning is the Rogue Woo! One trailer. And I've just been geeking out about it all day. I've watched it between basically between everything that I've done all day. I just took a break and watched the Rogue One trailer again. So if you haven't seen it yet, watch it. I will put a link in the show notes so you have no excuse. And I'm once we finish recording this episode, I'm watching the Rogue One trailer again. So I, I, I'm right there with you. Um, my weekly geekery this week is actually Rising Stars. Uh, talking to you about it and recommending it made me go back and start rereading it again. You guys need to go read it. It's all on Comixology. Uh, if you like digital comics, which I do and that Void does, that you need to read Rising Stars. It is my favorite superhero story. It is my favorite comic story. It is one of my favorite stories altogether. I cannot recommend Rising Stars by J. Michael Straczynski enough. The first book is called, what is it called? Uh, Born into Power. I cannot remember. Oh my goodness, I had it. There are, I just read them. There are three volumes and it's very obvious that they go in order one, two, three. So if you just find Rising Stars on Comixology, it's volume one is where you start. And it has yes. the first the first little storyline out of three. Please read it. Please read Rising Stars. It is fantastic. It was done by Top Cow Comics, so you will not find it on any of the Marvel apps or anything like that. Even though Straczynski wrote a lot for Marvel, uh, Rising Stars and Midnight Nation are both Top Cow, uh, which is also my other recommendation like you was Comixology, because when you recommended it to me, I hadn't used it in years. I went back and downloaded it, and my comics I bought on Kindle Daily Deals were loaded into Comixology to read. So I now have Captain America and Thor comics to read in Comixology that I've been going through once I fin- that I'm going to be going through when I finish Rising Stars. And it is awesome. I love digital comics. Comixology is super easy to use. And even on my phone, it does panel by panel where it is very smart and easy to use and easy to read. And I thought it was going to be very hard to read comics this way and I would miss the full page view. And I really don't because when it's necessary, it shows you the full page and then zooms in on the individual panels for you to read. So even on my iPhone 6 with just a 4 point seven inch screen you can read comics and it's lovely i do this before night all the time or before bed at night all the time and just download comiXology on your phone and and you'll you're welcome 
Yeah, it's really good. It's always been a good way to get digital comics. And now Amazon has acquired it and it just keeps getting better. So I will second that. And then we have our health hack. So I'm going kind of nutty with health uh, right now. Um, I have been unable to move since December. I tore a ligament in my ankle and I have been pretty sedentary on uh, and not being able to move. Uh, For those of you who don't know, I'm kind of a fitness nut and I'm a runner and I move around all the time. I bounce and move. So being told by pretty much everyone in my life, including my doctors and my wife, to sit down destroyed me mentally and physically. And I got the okay yesterday to start running again that my doctor told me, woo, run. Yeah, I'm so happy about this, you guys. If you couldn't tell, I'm a little excited. So I went out for the first run I've had since the middle of December. And I did walk-run intervals. I woke up this morning, and my legs hurt so bad. So bad that I I can barely walk. Like, it's not actually, no, it's not. I, I can walk. But standing up isn't the most pleasant thing in the world. And I realized that my health hack should come from this because I'm telling you guys, don't be afraid to walk. Don't let your egos get in the way like I did. If you need to exercise, if you want to get out there and do something, just take it easy. Go slow. Start slow. Do not be afraid to walk. Because I got excited about running for the first time in a while and ran entirely too much, way more than I was physically capable of. So now I'm having to take an extra day to not that where tomorrow I don't get to run because my legs are still sore. I'm having to wait. So I get to move less because I took it I I didn't want to walk as much as my body told me I should so my small health hack for you guys today is to do the opposite of what I did go outside take a walk and if you decide to jog around a little don't push yourself just walk walk as much as you need to because otherwise you're going to still be sitting around and end up uh, being able to move around even less learn from his mistakes please, because I want to be able to move around tomorrow and I'm not going to be able to. Uh, You'll get back to running soon. I know. Saturday. I'm excited. I already have it planned out. Uh, Thanks for listening, guys. You can uh, always write to us with comments, suggestions, feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. I blog almost daily at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. And I am on Twitter as at Professor Beege. That's Beege with two E's. And I blog sporadically at geekfitness.net. We've been Void and Beege with your Geek to Geek podcast. And just like last week, we get to be played out by the awesome Hydrocarbo M. And let me know how this works because I have the wonderful. I'm assuming you sent me a mic cover. Uh, oh, otherwise, yeah. I ended up getting a mic cover for from Hong Kong for no reason whatsoever. But it was uh, it was cool. I was like, yay, yay! Oh, we're recording. Okay. Yes, we certainly are. <laughs>